Good morning, Restoration Church. Act like you're caffeinated. <laughs> All right. Well, um, just one update for everybody. Um, you know, for our whole church, just an exciting update. Our Plymouth locations new carpet is going to start getting installed tomorrow. We are pumped about that. Let me tell you why. The carpet there was installed in 1991. So this is a huge, huge miracle. And uh, so anyway, we're pumped about that. So um, immediately following service, Plymouth Location, please pick up your chair and bring it into the lobby and uh, help Pastor Stephen with that. Um, Lots of amazing things happening. Uh, little small upgrades happening at every location here in, in Dover. We'll be expanding our auditorium, eliminating that hallway. And um, every week we get a little bit closer to the city giving us our building permit. And that's the only thing we're waiting on before we start uh, some demolition. And then in Milton, for you guys, we're not going to leave you out. We're upgrading your, your projector, but... Apparently, the one, I don't know what's going on. It's just back-ordered. It's been back-ordered for a few months. But you'll get to see me probably, like, full-size, all right? So um, so that's going to be happening. And anyway, just wanted to update you on all of that. Let's jump into this series, Pitfall. Let me, let me tell you a story. I mean, it's maybe an underwhelming story, but it's it's an illustration just the same of uh, when I was probably 12 years old and where we lived, we had uh, backwoods and a stream and because I was a middle child, I often ventured out there on my own and not because I had to, because I had middle child syndrome. And so I was out there and, and it was springtime and so everything was in a thaw the stream in the backyard was, you know, it was moving and uh, it's just a, a lot of tadpoles and frogs and a great place to spend your afternoons as a 12-year-old. And I remember I was, um, I was going, going back up to the house and so when I went to jump over the stream and when I jumped over it, I sunk up to my, uh, past my thighs into the mud and so much so that I could sit down without having to sit down. It was just, I was in deep. And there's no one around. And I remember trying to get out. And as I tried to get out, I would, um, you know, I was, I was getting more stuck. And I was going to lose my, my sneakers. And I thought, this is my princess bride moment. This is it. This is it. I'm, I'm, good. I'm done for. And eventually able to grab some sticks and, and build them and, and eventually climb my way out. But it was a lot harder than you'd think. And I realized at that moment, quicksand is a real thing. It's not just something that's in Looney Tunes cartoons. Like, it's real. You can, I could have been there forever. Imagine how different our church would have been had I died in the woods of Stratford County that day. Well, today, as we talk about this series... You can move to the next slide. We're going to talk through uh, the pitfalls of dating. And when you're making that decision, you want to traverse from being single to being married. There's a lot 
of danger. There's a lot of mistakes you can make in that process. Let me tell you this first. You don't have to make that jump. I think it's important to know because sometimes if you've, especially if you've grown up in church or in Christianity, you can be made to feel within within a church setting like this is what you need to do. This is what you must do. This is if you're ever going to receive your full Christian achievement, you've got to do this. And I just want you to know you don't have to do this. <laughs> All the pitfalls today that um, that are a, a, a danger for you, you can avoid them all by deciding to just stay there. And, and, and so, I mean, the apostle Paul, who, who wrote much of the Bible, he talked about this. He was a single man himself and uh, remained single until he was killed for following Jesus. He talks about this. You get married, you got married problems. You stay single. Just... You just traverse the multiple continents if you want to. You just wake up. God says go, you go. All right? And so once you, singleness, being single, it does not mean you're less than. It does not mean you're less than in the church. It does not mean you're less than in the kingdom of God. It does not mean you're less than as a human. All right? To live the life of a single person is a great thing. So don't ever feel like you need to come here uh, because, you, because that decision in itself is our first pitfall. Now, as we talk through today, I realize we're coming from a bunch of different backgrounds. And the one thing when I teach on a subject like dating that I want to make sure that I establish is that I'm not preaching a message for just the 13, 14, and 15-year-olds in the room. We're not... We're not preaching a message that says this is good for all, the, all the, the little kids, all the young ones in the room. No, what we're going about to talk about, and this is true whether you're a widow, whether you're divorced, whether you're in your early 20s, late 20s, early 70s, um, or you're in middle school. These are true. And so if you're single, if you're in a dating relationship, if you're single and you think you might one day be in a dating relationship, I need you to pay attention. If you're married, I mean, probably learned these things, all right? Because, because many people who are happily married end up getting remarried one day because of sickness, because of accidents, because of someone walking away from the Lord. It's not a fun thing to think about, but um, there's a lot to learn here for all of us. Now, because we're coming from different backgrounds, um, this might be the first time anybody's talked to you like this, all right? And this is the first time anybody's ever opened the Bible and tried to learn about dating and relationships. It's the first time anybody's done this for you. Now, I'm not an old man. Dep you know, it depends on how old you are, but uh, according to the national average, I'm, I'm not quite an old man yet. And if you check my Instagram and saw me sledding, that's the proof I'm not an old man yet. Um, but I want to be a father for you today. I want to be a dad. Sit down with you. Have a conversation. 
to sit down with you, give you some warnings, to sit down with you, speak some life into you. And that's, a, that's my posture, not as a guy who, who did everything right, not as a guy who's trying to tell you you're doing everything wrong, but just saying, like, you know, if you were my daughter, if you were my son, and we were to sit down, if we were to drive around in my, in, in my pickup truck, and I, and I would say, hey, can I talk to you about this? That's the heart that I have that I'm coming with you today. And I want you to know, if you don't have a father figure in your life, even if you're older than me, all right? If you don't have a father figure in your life to, to speak into and ask questions and to get advice from, I'll be that person for you across every location. You're at worship night, you're like, hey, Pastor Nate, can I talk with you? And I'm like, yes. And you're like, I've met this guy at my AARP meeting. How do I know? <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk. Let me help you. But more importantly than, than just me doing that, all right, there are other godly men in the church who are able to speak into that. Now, one thing that a good dad does is he scares away some pretty crappy guys. At a Restoration Church, we want this place to be full of godly, God-fearing, God-honoring men to scare away some of the predators and some of the creeps and some of the jerks. What we want you to do, if you're, if you're a jerk, if you're one of the guys who's a jerk, if you're one of the girls who's a jerk, what we hope to do is to inspire you to give your heart to Jesus, to repent of the sin in your life, and if you choose not to do that, to stop trying to date anybody in our church and go back on Tinder or some other creepy app. <laughs> I'll go back to my notes. Uh, <laughs> listen, let's go over the key scripture here for this entire series. We're going to spend more time talking about this scripture today, but we'll probably reference it each week. Famous scripture, Psalm chapter 40, and we'll read verses 1 and 3. So if you get your Bibles, you can open up there. This is a song that was being sung in the Bible, and the book of Psalms are book of different songs that were written, and each one is people are pouring their heart out to God and beginning to, um, trying to express through music what they know about God and how they've experienced God. It helps us to understand some deep truths about God and even to understand what the author was feeling when he wrote this. So here's what he wrote, um, starting at verse number one, Psalm chapter 40, verse number one. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and he heard my cry. And, you know, just the one thing to say you walk into service this morning and you think, God, would you help me? God, could you help me? God, do you care? God, I'm in, I'm in that pitfall. I'm in that mess. Would you rescue me? He listens. He's heard you this morning. He cares about you and he wants to help you. He lifted me. God lifted the songwriter out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, he set my feet on solid ground and he steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. There are pitfalls that you may be in, pitfalls that you've fallen into that you think you'll never get out of. 
but there is a promise this morning that God is our rescuer. That he's concerned about you. He sees where you are stuck. And he's reaching out a hand to you even before you're asking for help. And this morning, even if your, your pitfalls, you, you, you're not a dating problem, but you just realize you are stuck in some mud, you are stuck in some mess, ask him right now, Jesus, help me. Jesus, rescue me. When we're making the decision to move from single to married, you can, when we're making that decision to move there, there are things that culture teaches us, ways that our friends act, even ways that our Christian friends act, that lead us right into that pit. And rather than learning from others or even learning from our previous mistakes, some of us just get stuck when we are stuck in a cycle of breakups, we're stuck in a cycle of recurring pain, we're just stuck in a pit of bad relationships, and some of us have completely given up hope of a godly relationship, of a good relationship, of a good man or a good woman, we just given all up on that. I just date jerks. I, everybody I get in a relationship with cheats on me, and, they, and we just speak a narrative over our life, and we don't have any hope of anything different happening. I want to talk through what are some of the mistakes, what are some of the pitfalls that will keep you trapped if you have a pure desire for marriage and, it, and there's a, a plan for God in your life to be married. What are the, some of the things we want to avoid, some of the traps we want to avoid falling into? First one is this, fleeing singleness. You're single, you want to be married, but you see singleness as something to escape from, something to run away from, and, um, and this, this mentality on its own, I don't like to be single, I need to be with someone, uh, causes all kinds of problems. So here's, I'm going to tell you this, hopefully no one in the church does this this week, but Valentine's Day is coming up next week, and there is a type of girl who on Valentine's Day post a long lament. Here I am, another lonely Valentine's Day, all by myself. I prayed that this year would be the year that God would, but he did it. There must be another plan. All by myself this Valentine's Day. I want you to know when you post that on Facebook, there's no guy that's like, you know what? I feel my heart warmly drawn to this girl. The only guys you're attracting in that moment are the exact type of guy you don't want to. If someone says, oh, here's easy prey. Here's someone I could take advantage of. When you're fleeing singleness, I don't want another holiday by myself. I don't want another, uh, another night of watching Netflix by myself. I don't want how many more years. As soon as you begin to think, I need to escape being single, you open yourself up to all kinds of different problems. I talked about um, Paul and him living his life as being single. Here's a scripture. He wrote this in a letter to one of the churches in 1 Corinthians. But I say to the unmarried, that must be a typo. I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them to remain even as I am. 
There's a great blessing in singleness that you cannot understand when you're trying to escape from it. So I remember the first, the first like two weeks we were married, um, Michelle and I. And so a, a week honeymoon, now we move into our new apartment. I had never lived before. Michelle had lived there for like a month before, uh, before I moved in with her. We were married. And, um, and I remember thinking, like I often did, uh, because I, I, as soon as it's time for bed, I'm wide awake. I can nap all day long. I can't seem to nap at bedtime. And so I remember it was like 10.45 at night, and I, and I grabbed my keys, and I'm like, wait a minute. I just can't go to Walmart or to McDonald's or whatever anymore. I can't just do that anymore. And I remember like just mentally thinking like, I didn't know marriage was going to be like this. How, how did I not know marriage was going to be like this? And then I talked to Michelle, and she said, you will do what I tell you to do, and you will do it right now. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> Obviously, just kidding. I asked, I asked a group of, um, I sent a text this week to a bunch of singles, uh, all uh, uh, early 20s, and I asked them, tell me, what do you see some of the pitfalls, some of the mistakes people make in marriage? And there were a few that connected with this. So one person said, uh, a lot that I see is that people can't exist outside of their relationships. If you don't know how to be yourself when you're single, Marriage is going to make a mess of you. It, they continue, they rely on the person they're with and almost lose part of their own identity. And that happens within dating. You, you, your identity becomes the dating relationship. You have to know who you are. That's why I tell every middle schooler, and I've been saying this um, uh, you, you know, since I've been on pastoral staff in 2003, I've been saying this for a long time. If you're in middle school, don't date. Don't ever date. Don't call someone your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's stupid. Wait. Wait. You, you have no idea who you are. The other person has no idea who you are. Trying to figure out who you are as a couple is a huge mistake. I definitely encourage high schoolers, why don't you wait until college? Usually the quality of the individuals you're surrounded with increases as you get a little bit older. Now, I'm not to, I mean, I've, I've got friends who, when I was in high school, they started dating freshman year. They're still married. They have multiple kids. They're still in love. So that, that happens. I'm not speaking against that. But you've got to know who you are outside of that. Another young adult in our church said, I think the majority of young Christians are way too focused on getting married rather than drawing close to God. Talk about that for a minute, all right? Why, why does a Christian feel pressure to get married? Well, can we speak frankly here, all right? If you're trying to honor Jesus with your whole heart, that means that you're not going to have sex until you're married. So when the, when the male hits uh, peak sexual desire at 18 years old, they feel very compelled to get married. 
I wanna be a Christian, I wanna honor God, I better get married. And it becomes this pressure. I've gotta find who I'm gonna marry because I don't wanna sin. I've gotta find who I'm gonna marry because God might come back and I'll never have had sex. I'll go to heaven a virgin, wouldn't that be terrible? And that, uh, and that is a fear. And that is a motivation. But again, that's not, that's very, very, very short-sighted. And then another one says um, they're dating just to not be alone. Here's, here's the big thing, all right? Relationships are not a cure for loneliness, for lust, or even for living situations. I need to find someone to date to take care, help take care of my kids. I need to find someone to be in a relationship with because I can't afford rent. I need to find someone to be in a relationship with because I need to be able to escape from where I'm living right now. Relationships are not the cure for any of those things. And if you've got friends who are married, you can talk to them. If you've got people who will be honest, you can talk with them. If you are lonely when you're single and you get married, you will be more lonely. If you are struggling with lust when you're single, when you are married, you will still struggle with that. If, if you don't know how to, and if you're moving in with someone, getting into a relationship just so you can afford rent, again, um, these are not God-honoring decisions. Here's the second pitfall here. Playing marriage. In um, Matthew chapter 19, verses five and six, Jesus says this. He, he quotes another part of the Bible. He says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and two are united into one. Verse number six, since, since they are no longer two but one, let, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Now we, we say that, we read that in weddings, I read that in weddings, but we miss what is happening here, that the marriage is deeply spiritual and the marriage is not a contract between you and your partner. Marriage is a covenant between you and your spouse and God. It is deeply, deeply spiritual. When you're playing marriage, essentially what you're doing is you're acting all the parts of marriage without any of the commitment. But even beyond that, when you're playing marriage, you have turned a relationship into convenience over covenant. Covenant is the type of relationship that God calls us into for marriage. Dating is anticipating that covenant, preparing for that lifelong covenant, preparing for that deeply spiritual merging of two into one. Playing marriage and doing everything a married couple would do but never entering into that covenant is a pitfall that we see more and more people make every week. 
some of our young adults said this um, as some of the pitfalls. Short-term mindset and instant gratification are the biggest mistake. Thinking about what can I get now and not thinking about what am I preparing for for the future. Another one, just simply put, hookup culture. Again, we're going to participate with each other sexually but never participate in God's plan for our life. Listen, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then we have to separate ourselves from the way the world enters relationships, the way they function in their relationships. And one of the blessings is we, we, are, we separate ourselves from the pain that they're experiencing in the relationships. The Old Testament um, the, the part of the Bible that was written before Jesus. It often uses sexual imagery to describe how well or how poorly our relationship with God is. It talks about if, our, if, we're, if we call ourselves followers of God, but then we're pursuing the world that we're, that we're um, that, that it's like adultery. It uses imagery and language uh, about fertility, harlotry, childlessness, um, and uh, marital and, and physical intimacy, the joy that comes from that. It uses all those things to help us to understand God. One of the reasons why it does that is because what we do sexually, it either honors or dishonors the imprint of God on our life. And Jesus teaches this is true not just of what we do, but even of what we think when he said in Matthew chapter 5, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. How we think sexually, how we act sexually, I mean, it is a reflection of our relationship with God to our partner, to our parents, to our church, to our culture. So Christians, knowing this, knowing what God what his plan for us is, knowing our relationship with him, knowing the deep spiritual covenant that he created marriage and sexual intimacy to be, we don't take a prudish stance on sexuality, but we realize we wait and participate in sex only within marriage because of our understanding of what God designed. We teach an ethic of self-discipline because we recognize that sex involves our souls as well as our bodies. I mean, if you're new to Restoration Church, you think, man, this church, old-fashioned prude, I don't want you to think that because we're gonna talk about sex next week as we talk through pitfalls of marriage and I want you to know um, sex should be pleasurable for both of you it should be fun for both of you. It should be wanted by both of you. And you should do it. All right? So, so that is not our stance. All right? We're, we're not the Puritans here. Um, not at all. Um, 
we, uh, so listen, playing marriage, living together, playing marriage, being sexually active, playing marriage, putting constraints on each other that you shouldn't be doing yet. When I was single, Michelle shouldn't be calling me up and saying, why are you going to Walmart at 1045 at night? Because I'm single. <laughs> That's why. No, you can't do that. Well, you know what I can't do? Stay in this relationship. <laughs> um, we, we can't, we, so when we're single, there is a freedom that we don't have when we're married. Let me tell you a story. And uh, uh, maybe I shouldn't tell the story. I'm running out of time. But I'm in college. It's my senior year. And um, there's a girl that I'm going to college with. She likes me. She's making that known. She wants to hang out with me. She's asking me to hang out. I, I, I've known her for a little while. And uh, I'm not sure I want to be in a relationship with her. I just think, you know, I just think there's some patterns of her life. But it's not every day a girl likes me. <laughs> Man, middle school was a dry time of my life. And it's not every and so I'm like, but maybe she's changed. I'll talk with her, I'll hang out with her. So anyway, we end up um there's some I don't know if it's a school break or whatever, but we come back to school. She calls me up. She says, hey, Nate. I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, I've got something I got to tell you. I'm like, yeah, sure, what's up? She's like, I made out with my ex-boyfriend this weekend. I'm like, yeah, all right, that's fine. She's like, really? You're not mad? I'm like, no, I'm not mad. She's like, oh, I thought you'd be mad. I'm like, we're not dating. You can make out with whoever you want with. And then she's like, then she, and then she's like, but what does that mean for us? I'm like, well, what it means for us is I'm not going to date you. And she starts crying. What do you mean? You got to forgive me. You got to give me another chance. I said, I don't have to give you another chance. We weren't in a relationship. But you told me you wanted to be in a relationship with me. So while you were telling me you wanted to be in a relationship with me, you made out with another guy, which you're free to do. You can do that. But because you chose to do that, that's made the decision for me that I'm not going to be in a relationship with you. That was it. Hug up the phone. I never talked to her on the phone again after that. I saw her on campus. I talked to her on campus. I mean, I've seen her in the years since, so I'm very cordial. I'm not mean. But you have to be able to say, this is something that I don't want. Last thing here, last pitfall we're going to talk through, ignoring wisdom. One of the two pitfalls, or two of the mistakes that our young, young adult conglomerate said, one said, cutting out friends who speak into our lives. And another person said, finding their identity through having a boyfriend or girlfriend. We're ignoring wisdom. We're ignoring wisdom that we know is true. We're ignoring ourselves, but we're ignoring other people as they speak into us. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 15 says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Have you ever thought about this? Why do you keep going into one bad relationship after another, after another? Why do you keep dating the same type of loser over and over again? It's because you don't have, you're not listening to anybody speaking to your life. Your best friends are like, I'm, this guy's a loser, don't. Like, but he's so cute. Man, I don't like the way she treats you. 
well, and you don't listen, you ignore. Ignore wisdom from the counsel of others. If you're following Jesus, you should pay very, very close attention to your Christian friends. You should pay very, very close attention to what scripture says. When the Bible says not to be unequally yoked, and there's a few applications for that, but in a relationship, it means that if I'm following Jesus, I don't start or, or, or um, I don't start or even entertain a relationship with someone who doesn't follow Jesus. We just, ign- we just ignore that. Yeah, but they're a good guy. Yeah, but she comes to church with me now that we're dating. And uh, this, this happened to me, this happened to me recently. Someone called, hey, I, I, this, this girl started coming to the church. I'm trying to help her meet Jesus. I think I'm in love with her. I'm like, <laughs> could you slow down here a little bit? And... Um, and so I just went through, like, well, we introduce people to Jesus, not ourselves. You need to help her find Jesus, not into a relationship with you. She needs to get into a relationship with him. That's what matters. And, um, and talk me through, I think tried to convince me, eventually just stopped talking to me, and then posted on Facebook <laughs> in a relationship. And I'm like, what in the world? When we make a decision to follow Jesus, we make the decision to trust him, to take the counsel of him, to let other Christians speak into our lives, not to lie or be deceitful, and even to let sometimes our pastors speak into our life. That's not always appropriate, but for for some, like if I've known you for 20 years, um, you, you know, Here's what happens, all right, because we ignore wisdom. All these red flags start popping up in the relationship. But because we're making out, because you're sexually active, because you live together, um, because you've complicated your lives together, you see all these red flags and you can't do anything about it because because your lives are too intertwined. The other thing that happens is you start entering a relationship and there's all these red flags are popping up People are speaking to you into your life, showing you all the red flags, but you just convince yourself that you're at a parade and that this is something that you're celebrating. Red flags everywhere, and, and you're just like, no, this is good. This is not a problem. Hey, I just don't know. They don't speak to you right. They don't have a job. They're lazy. They don't go to church. They don't own a Bible. And we're just convinced ourselves none of these things are a problem. Ignoring wisdom. If he doesn't have a job, you shouldn't date him. All right. If they don't go to church, you shouldn't date him. If they don't profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you shouldn't date him. Don't ignore his word in your life because to do that gets you messed up in this, gets you knocked down into this pitfall, gets you stuck in this mire 
And, you know, one thing that I want to just give you hope for this morning is maybe you're in that mess, all right? You're in a dating relationship you know you shouldn't be in. Maybe you're in a dating relationship and and he or she doesn't treat you well, but you're so afraid of being lonely or you don't know where you're going to live or just any of you just in a mess. You don't know how to get your way out of it. First thing I want you to know this, the, the scriptures that we started with are true. He rescues us. If you ask him, he will help you. The second thing is this. Maybe we think we deserve the muck and the mire because we've made so many mistakes. In this Psalm 40, he talks about being rescued from the pit, but then you read verses 12 and 13, and it looks like he got himself stuck in that pit again. But yet God is faithful. God is kind and compassionate that he still rescues us even if we've jumped back into the same mud puddle that he just pulled us out of. Three things here in Psalm chapter 40, how to get yourself out of that pit, how to stay out of that pit, how to safely grab that line and jump across in God's timing. Number one, you gotta be willing to wait. Verse number one says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. Settling is a problem. Settling is a temptation. Um, One of our young adults said, I've had to support so many friends through breakups with people they lowered their standards for. Wait. Wait. Fling singleness is not right motivation. It is better to live your life single than be in a terrible marriage. This is dating advice. This is not marriage advice. Second thing, trust. Verse number four, all the joys of those who trust in their Lord, trust in his timing, trust his warnings that are found in scripture and that he'll speak to you to your heart and trust in his ability. You look around the room, you think, what, I, I don't understand, is God's solution? Um, I just don't see, I don't see, I just don't see the people who, who love God. I just don't see the people I wanna hang out with. Listen, trust him. Trust him. Trust in his ability to bring a godly, man or woman into your life. And then the last thing here is obey. Verse number eight, he says, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. Um, One person sent me this quote and it says, um, they read something along the lines of, I'm going to run after God with my whole heart and then see who's running next to me. Just obey God the day in, the day out. And what happens is when God, when Jesus is the sole source of your life, you don't have to flee singleness because you have him. And even if you found yourself this morning in a bad marriage, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit next week, but even if you find yourself in that situation, when Jesus is the source of your life, 
you have an ability to even have joy in a struggling marriage and hope for a struggling marriage. Well, will you close your eyes? I want to pray for you. I want to pray specifically for those of you who are single. And uh, once you close your eyes, all right? And um, what I want to do is uh, just just have a, a prayer for you. And um, I, I know I won't be able to see everybody, but if if you're if you're single and you and you hope to one day be married, just wave at me or look at me. I want to pray for you. I want to know who I'm praying for. All right. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I pray for those who who are currently single but feel like something that you've put as your plan on their life and that you put in their heart is to one day uh, get married. I pray, God, that they would listen to your scripture, they would study your word, and know and understand some of the pitfalls that you've put, that you've warned us about. That's wrong reasons to enter a dating relationship, wrong reasons to enter marriage. And I pray, God, you give them a supernatural patience, not just to get in a relationship, but to pursue you first and to allow you to cultivate, cultivate a relationship, a godly relationship. We pray for two people that love Jesus to find each other and fall in love. God, and they align their lives around serving you and following you. And if they choose to have kids, God, they raise kids in a home that serves you and follows you. God, we believe this, and I've said this over and over again, but a Christian marriage is a sign and wonder to the world of who you are and how great you are and your wonder-working power. Jesus, for those who are just in the mess of it right now, I pray they don't walk out of here feeling like a loser or feeling dirty or feeling unloved. I pray they'd hear your good news that says you rescue, you save, you love, you restore, you forgive. And you're not looking down on them ashamed, but you're looking toward them hopeful. Are you ready? to trust me? Are you ready to follow me? Are you ready to obey me? And I just pray, I just pray God for every relationship. It would be God honoring. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.